Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 82. Black Lives Matter, Antifa, Marxism, Socialism, Riots, Defunding and Abolishing Police Departments. We all know what this means to us as a nation and how high the stakes are in this election in November. But what about Catholics? Should we see things going on from a little different angle? I really think we should be looking at all this just a little bit differently. We hear the horrors taking place across the country every day. There's a lot taking place around the world, too, but we don't hear much about it because of the problems we're facing in America. We hear about individual horrors, and it has a hell of an impact on us. But when we look at everything laid out to see it all at once, as Catholics, we should see a lot more than the rest of the world. Tired of false or confusing doctrine? Want to learn or teach the Catholic faith of our fathers without dilution or compromise? Then it's time for Tradivox. Tradivox is a Catholic nonprofit working with Bishop Athanasius Schneider to restore the perennial catechism of the Catholic Church. Scores of official catechisms from across the last millennium are being harnessed in an amazing new platform for teaching the faith today. Learn more and support this much-needed project at www.tradivox.com. Tradivox, giving voice to tradition. 2020 hasn't been the best year for most of us. The year's barely half over, and I already find myself longing for New Year's Eve. In fact, the other day I was speaking to my mother and said, Do you remember when I was 13 or 14 and you told me you were going to slap me into next year? I was wondering if that offer's still open. That was my way of putting a bit of a light spin on things, but the simple fact is that 2020 has been a year full of turmoil and fear for all of us. I have to admit that because I'm one of those fools with a tendency to run toward danger rather than away from it, my fear has been replaced by anger. And why shouldn't we be angry? Between May 31st and June 27th, there was a 49% increase in shootings nationwide. Many individual cities have done far worse. In Los Angeles alone, the homicide rate increased by 250% in just one week, and the number of shooting victims increased by 56%, both because of the violent riots there and the Oakland mayor's home was attacked by these savages. Seattle has seen a 525% increase in violent crime because of the violent Marxists and fascists. Thanks to diabolical Democrats on the city council in Minneapolis and their incredibly evil decision to eliminate the police department, rioters have been burning buildings, destroyed over 100 businesses on one night alone, and killed more than 100 people. A few days ago, a black street preacher was executed by Black Lives Matter members for his support of Donald Trump. 
in Atlanta amid the burning, looting, attacks on police, and the destruction of the College Football Hall of Fame, an eight-year-old girl was murdered by these savages. And by the way, the report I read for this, in fact all the reports, call these savages protesters. They're not protesters, and the media, even Fox News, needs to stop lending them any appearance of legitimacy by calling them protesters. Call them what they are, violent fascist Marxists who are enemies of Christianity, decency, free speech, and America. In New York City, murder, burglary, and grand larceny auto crimes all rose. Murder increased 25% from last year, and in a 28-day period, the murder rate was twice as high as it was during the same time in 2019. Rioters attacked police stations and looted stores. The destruction was so bad in just the first week of riots that President Trump criticized Democratic Governor Andrew Cuomo's response, saying that, New York was lost to the looters, thugs, radical left, and all the other forms of low life and scum. Governor Cuomo said in early June that what happened in New York was inexcusable, in an obvious attempt to shift blame completely to the worst mayor in America, Bill DeCamio. In Chicago, a city that's been a war zone for years, with thousands of shootings each year, murder rates increased 130% and babies and children are being slaughtered. I could go on and on about the more than 100 U.S. cities that have been and are being ravaged by these domestic enemies. The Marxist savages don't stop at destroying and pillaging cities, though. There have been well-planned and executed ambushes on police forces in Chicago, Portland, and other cities. But I think the one thing that's happened to show you how Black Lives Matter and Antifa members have given themselves completely over to evil took place in Clark County, Ohio. It was a photograph of a black man kneeling on the neck of a white baby while a black woman holds the diapered child's arms behind it. The evil criminal who did this was brazen enough to post the picture on social media with the caption, Black Lives Matter Now, MF. Black Lives Matter and Antifa are Marxist, anti-Semitic, anti-Christian organizations, and we should write them off as a lunatic fringe that will eventually fade away if America were the only country plagued by them or what they represent. The problem is, America isn't the only place being plagued. All of Europe has Black Lives Matter and Antifa as well. But even that's not the worst of it. There's an evil movement all over the world attacking Jews and Christians, with a particular emphasis on the Catholic Church. Almost a hundred confirmed attacks on Catholic churches and statuary have occurred in America, but they've happened by the thousands in Europe. Europe has also seen a spate of unprovoked, violent attacks on priests, some of them fatal. There have also been quite a few church burnings in Europe. In actuality, anti-Christian attacks have increased by 285% since 2008. The United Nations has been openly attacking the Catholic Church for decades. The attacks have slacked up a little since Francis became Pope, and I'll leave the math to you on this, but the UN continues its attacks nonetheless. 
But now the UN has stepped up its game by promoting anti-Semitic, anti-Israel initiatives on a global scale while promoting the communist regime in China and Islamic terrorist organizations. Before I go on, let me say a word about Islam. Do not believe the lie from anyone, including Francis, that Islam is a religion of peace and that radicals have distorted that religion to give it a bad name. That's a lie right out of the bowels of hell. They've been trying to wipe out Catholics and Jews since that religion was begun by Muhammad in the 7th century. Don't let people tell you that genuine Islam wants peace. They don't. I've read the Quran. They want peace among themselves, but the Quran teaches that infidels must be slaughtered. Who are the infidels? Anyone who isn't a Mohammedan, that's who. Communist China is also persecuting Catholics on an unprecedented scale, thanks to Pope Francis' treacherous betrayal of these Chinese Catholics. The latest persecution of Catholics appears to relate to Christian symbols. In order to receive social welfare payments, Chinese citizens have to replace religious symbols with the images of Communist China Party leaders. Anybody refusing to comply with the local government, and thus the governing Chinese Communist Party, would no longer be financially supported by the state. Considering social welfare payments are the entire basis for the people to survive in a communist economy, I'd say this is a pretty big deal for Chinese Catholics. It's a matter of life and death. Thank you, Francis. It's no coincidence that Pope Francis is changing a 2,000-year tradition by no longer referring to the papal office as the Vicar of Christ. In fact, this pope has repeatedly made some very antichrist statements over the years. I think the worst one that stands out in my mind is referring to himself as the successor of Christ rather than the successor of St. Peter, as all previous popes have done. Calling himself the successor of Christ is chock full of diabolical implications. Is Francis the Antichrist? That's not for me to say. It's above my pay grade. However, none of this should scare or surprise any of us. I'm not one of those guys who looks for the apocalypse every day or for conspiracy behind every bush, but we can't ignore this. Everything, and I do mean everything, that's happening in America and around the world has been told to us over and over again in prophecy. It's been prophesied in the Bible. It's been prophesied at Fatima. Padre Pio made some of the prophecies. About a decade before he died in 2000, Servant of God Father John Harden even prophesied some of these things. Right now, the temptation to leave the church is absolutely overwhelming. Some people want to leave the church because they believe she's apostatized. Others want to leave the church because they believe this pope and our bishops have shown the world that 2,000 years of Catholic history has been a lie. Still others want to leave the church to join schismatic groups who look like the Catholic Church, but they're really just cheap imitations of the real thing. Some who are still inclined to embrace Christianity have bought into the Protestant lies against the Catholic Church, and they're going over to partial Christianity. But none of these are reasons to leave the church. Indeed, those who leave the church imperil their souls. Look at it this way. 
If your mother had cancer or dementia, would you drop her off and abandon her on some remote highway in the middle of nowhere? Of course not. You'd nurture her and care for her, sticking with her to the bitter end, because that's what a child does for mom. You'd also remember that she's mom, so you'd do whatever she asked of you, as long as it's in your power to do so. Well, the Catholic Church is your mother. She's sick right now. She's being eaten from the inside by her cancerous human hierarchy and certain other people they brought in to invade her body. So you have to stick with her and dutifully do as she asks. If I'm properly interpreting the signs of the times, as well as the biblical and extra-biblical prophecies, like the bearded old homeless guy on the street with a corner sign, I'm telling you the end is near. But that's not a reason for depression or despair, because at the end of the story, we win. Jesus is going to return. Things are going to get much, much worse before he does, but those of us who persevere are going to win. God will create a new heaven and a new earth. You don't have to worry about it being crowded because based on the things Jesus said in Scripture and Our Lady said at Fatima, there are going to be very few people there. Everyone has to die, even when Jesus returns, because death is payment for sin. But immediately after your death, you'll be resurrected. That could be good news or it could be bad news. If you find yourself in the largest group, you're going to hear Jesus say, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You'll try to make excuses and justifications, but to no avail. In the end, hell is all you'll have to look forward to forever and ever. This is guaranteed of those who leave the Catholic Church and those who reject even the smallest of her teachings. Just read Matthew 25, verses 31 through 46. It's only 16 verses, and it may serve as a wake-up call. The smallest group of you will hear Jesus say, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. At those words, you'll experience a joy you've never known. When the world is destroyed, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Although it's not mentioned in Scripture, that implies a new hell as well. As to a new hell, it simply has to be able to accommodate all the resurrected bodies of those condemned to hell, because the never-ending torture and torment inflicted by the demons will no longer be on the soul alone, but also on the body. Why? The body shared in the sin that made the person worthy of eternal punishment in hell, so it's only just that the body share in that punishment. The damned will have no less sorrow and pain than the saved will have joy and glory. However, the punishment of the damned will be aggravated in several ways. 1. Through their separation from God and all good things. This is the pain of loss, which corresponds to aversion and surpasses the sense of pain. 2. By the remorse of conscience. Yet their regret and anguish will be useless because it won't be the hatred of sin, but because of the grief of their own punishment. 3. By the intensity of the pain of sense, which is inflicted by the fires of hell and which will torment both body and soul. 
They'll feel as though they're always dying, but never dead, never going to die. That's why it's described as everlasting death. 4. By their despair of salvation. If only the damned could hope for deliverance from their agony, their punishment would be alleviated. But since they've lost all hope, their pains are exceedingly aggravated. Why will God create a new earth? Because all the earth will be restored to the perfect paradise Eden was. Those who win the victory will have restored to them the original gifts of our first parents, Adam and Eve. Paul identifies four distinctive qualities of the risen body in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 42 through 44. He writes, The thing that is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. The thing that is sown is contemptible, but what is raised is glorious. The thing that is sown is weak, but what is raised is powerful. When it is sown, it embodies the soul. When it is raised, it embodies the spirit. Since the second century, the church has developed this revealed doctrine about the qualities of the risen bodies of those who are saved. These qualities have been given technical theological names, impassibility, brightness, agility, and subtility. Impassibility means that the risen body will no longer be subject to pain or even inconvenience of any kind. Piercing cold will no longer affect the glorified body, nor will the glaring intensity of heat, nor can anything like the forces of nature hurt it. Since there will no longer be death, neither will there be sickness or disease. Brightness describes that quality of the resurrected body that makes them shine like the sun. In Christ's own words from Matthew 13:43, then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Jesus briefly manifested what this would be like in his transfiguration, as shown in Matthew 17, verses 1 and 2. Agility is that quality of the risen body that frees it from material burden. The body will be able to move about with the greatest of ease and with a swiftness that depends only on the will. This is what Paul meant when he said that our bodies are now sown in weakness, but on the last day they'll be raised in power. Subtility corresponds to what Paul calls the spiritual body. Without ceasing to be material, the glorified body will be completely under control of the spirit. It will be fully obedient to the soul. With this risen body and its new faculties, anything you want or desire will be immediately available to you. But there's one more quality we'll share with the angels which explains the reason for the new heaven. It's called bilocation. Thanks to bilocation, you'll be able to live your most enjoyable life in paradise on earth while simultaneously physically occupy heaven before the throne of God to worship, adore, and thank him for all eternity. All of this will happen for those who remain in the Catholic Church established by Christ, accept 100% of the teachings of the Church, and live their lives in a state of grace, that is, avoiding mortal sin. You know, pesky little things like contraception. If the end of time is really near, some of us may have to sacrifice our lives to do these things. Sacrificing our lives in order to remain true to Jesus sure beats the alternative, though. Can you see yourself making converts? 
very few books have ever been written to teach the mechanics of practical Catholic evangelization, something all Catholics are obliged to do. Of the books available, none teach you a step-by-step -step method for actually cultivating an inquirer, then taking that inquirer all the way to the baptismal font. Until now, nobody is more qualified to teach Catholic evangelization than Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Joe Sixpack has made hundreds of converts since 1988 in small group and one-on-one -on -one venues, and 84 of them are his adult godchildren. Consequently, Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, is a virtual treasure trove of how-to resources for evangelization. In the Lay Evangelist's Handbook, Joe Sixpack will show you how to become one of God's rock stars of evangelization, what the two primary obligations are for all Catholics that most people don't know how to begin the journey to becoming a saint, the actual mechanics of productive evangelization, the dangers of nice Catholicism, how to hear God laugh, what to do step-by-step -step to win over a convert, and much, much more. Get your copy of the Lay Evangelist's Handbook by Joe Sixpack, The Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to National Catholic Register. Archbishop Cordy Leon of San Francisco performed an exorcism where the statue of St. Junipero Serra fell. I've been feeling great distress and a deep wound in my soul when I see these horrendous acts of blasphemy and disparaging of the memory of Sarah, who was such a great hero, such a great defender of the indigenous people of this land, said Cordelion. This is the activity of the evil one who wants to bring down the church, who wants to bring down all Christian believers. Despicable! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick Number 4 Hats off to LifeSite News. Canada's largest pro-life group is warning the country's Catholic bishops and school trustees that the Trudeau government's ban on so-called conversion therapy for minors will criminalize counseling based on Catholic teaching and could make it a crime to teach Catholic sexual morality in Catholic schools. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic news pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. Cardinal Raymond Burke spoke out strongly against mandatory forced vaccinations that could take place following the development of a coronavirus vaccine. During his talk at this year's virtual Rome Life Forum, he said, quote, It must be clear that vaccination itself cannot be opposed in a totalitarian manner on citizens, end quote. That's what I'm talking about. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic, Catholic news pick, pick number two. two. Hats off to the hill. 
Senate Democrats are warning former Vice President Joe Biden against releasing a list of potential Supreme Court picks. Then-candidate Trump in 2016 released a list of names he said he would pick to fill a Supreme Court vacancy, and Biden is facing calls from activists on both the right and left to do the same. (laughs) You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News Pick number one. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The president of the U.S. Bishops' Conference lamented the U.S. Supreme Court's decision in a case that considered whether federal civil rights law considers sexual identity and gender identity to be covered by laws prohibiting employment discrimination based upon sex. I am deeply concerned that the U.S. Supreme Court has effectively redefined the legal meaning of sex in our nation's civil rights law. This is an injustice that will have implications in many areas of life, Archbishop Jose Gomez said in a June 15 statement. If you bishops had been teaching the faith for the last 50 years, this never would have happened. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholicism 101 is the segment where Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, gives you little thumbnail lessons to help you better learn and understand the Catholic faith. Here's this week's Catholicism 101. Last week, we made it halfway through the four marks of the Catholic Church, the marks given to demonstrate that her founder is Jesus Christ, God himself. Today, we'll finish with the marks we call Catholic and Apostolic. Catholic is a word meaning universal. That is, the Church is for all men of all times and all places because our church alone is universal in time, doctrine, and extent, she's existed in perfect continuity from the time of Christ and will last until his second coming. She teaches all his gospel and ministers all his divine means of salvation. She's not confined to a particular region or nation, but she's widespread among all the nations of the world. The word Catholic doesn't denote equality, You can't be Anglo-Eastern or liberal Catholic. You can't be more or less Catholic. You're either Catholic or you're not. Eastern Orthodoxy isn't Catholic in time because they've existed only since the 11th century with the Great Schism. The Protestant churches can't be Catholic in time because they date from the 16th, 17th, 18th, and 19th centuries. The outside churches aren't Catholic in faith because they've broken away from the center of unity, the Holy See, and deny many of Christ's laws and doctrines. They're not Catholic in extent because from the beginning of their secession they've identified themselves with some particular nation. Germany, Scandinavian countries, England, Russia, Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, Greece, etc., Mere profession of a creed doesn't constitute one a Catholic, as many others do indeed use the Apostles' Creed, but the different separatist churches read their own particular opinions into it. A number of different sects scattered around the world doesn't constitute a Catholic church. Catholicism implies a divine unity of government, faith, and worship. The early church fathers often declare the church is Catholic in their extant writings from the first four centuries. 
They consistently tell us the church is Catholic because she was spread over the entire known world and teaches everywhere, universally and completely, all the doctrines which ought to come to men's knowledge. Verify this for yourself by reading what was written by Arrhenius, Origen, Opetus, and Augustine online or at a good library. The Catholic Church is Catholic in time, because while we can accurately fix the date of heresy and schism, no one can assign any date to her origin except the day of Pentecost. The Catholic Church is Catholic in extent, outnumbering any one sect. In fact, she is greater than all of them put together. Mere numbers, of course, wouldn't constitute Catholicity, but the Church's de facto numerical superiority points to her de jure Catholicity, her universal divine commission to spread the one faith among all nations. The Catholic Church's Catholicity is demonstrated in that she alone teaches all that Christ taught, and she alone administers all the means of salvation established by Jesus. She's not confined to any region or nation, but is active in every nation on earth. Indeed, until 1517, there was no other Christian religion besides the Catholic Church. All others are merely cheap imitations of the real thing. For a church to be apostolic, it must be able to trace its roots in unbroken succession back to the original apostles. In fact, before giving his divine commission to the apostles, Christ insists on his divine commission from his Father. As the Father has sent me, even so I send you. The only church that can rightly claim that its origin isn't due to a break with the past is the Catholic Church. The European Protestants broke with apostolic succession at the time of Luther's revolt in 1517, and the English Protestants in 1559 when King Henry VIII made Parker the first Protestant bishop of Canterbury. Since that time, we've seen what amounts to religious entropy. When early Catholics wished to use the most convincing argument to prove the true church, they always appealed to her apostolic origin we find them compiling lists of legitimate bishops, especially with regard to the Apostolic See of Rome. As early as the 2nd century, we find the Syrian Hegipasus and the Greek Arrhenius, Bishop of Lyons, maintaining that the source and standard of the faith is the apostolic tradition handed down in an unbroken succession of bishops. He wrote, But since it would be very long in such a volume as this to count up the succession, or series of bishops, in all churches called dioceses in modern terms, we confound those who in any way, whether through self-pleasing or vainglory, or through blindness or evil opinion, gather together otherwise than they ought, by pointing out the tradition arrived from the apostles of the greatest, most ancient, and universally known church, founded and established by the two most glorious apostles, Peter and Paul, and also the faith declared to men, which through the succession of bishops comes down to our times. It's true that other churches make a claim to apostolicity, but their claims are always erroneous and sometimes even ridiculous. For example, several members of the Church of Christ, when defending their apostolic origins, have stated to me that their name proves their origin. What? That might work for someone who's incapable of logic and right reason, but most of us find that sort of argument ludicrous. A book could be written on this topic alone. 
Indeed, many books have been written on the topic of apostolicity. I urge you to study this topic because you'll discover that only the Catholic Church can trace her roots back to the apostles and Jesus Christ himself. As long as I can do this, you'll have the opportunity to learn things about the Catholic Church you probably never knew. I'll teach you about the sacraments and the Ten Commandments, reaching far beyond anything you've heard before. You'll learn stories from the lives of the saints and other people in the Catholic Church's glorious and sometimes ugly history. Why undertake these weekly Catholicism 101 segments? Well, just look at the world around you, and I think you'll be able to answer that for yourselves. Do you have an apostolate you'd like other Catholics to learn about? Maybe you have an e-commerce business and you want to build sales while supporting a Holy Orthodox apostolate. Whatever you want to advertise, The Cantankerous Catholic is your portal to success. The Cantankerous Catholic isn't even a year into broadcasting its weekly shows and we're already listened to in 16 countries, all 50 states, and 101 major cities throughout the U.S. and Canada. Our listener demographics are the most sought after for advertisers. The Cantankerous Catholic avatar is 53% men and 47% women ages 18 to 34. The show's average growth rate through 2019 was 24% per week, and our listeners are Orthodox Catholics who reject heterodox Catholic positions and political correctness. Relative to other podcasts and online advertising, our rates are extremely cost-effective and inexpensive. You can advertise in each show's show notes, in the recorded episode itself, our weekly newsletter that announces each new episode, all of these media together, or in any combination. So contact us today by filling out the form on the Sponsor Kit page at cantankerouscatholic.com or email Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, directly at joe at cantankerouscatholic.com to learn how you can begin driving traffic to whatever you want to promote while helping to support a worthy, orthodox, and hard-hitting apostolate. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. Today's Catholic quote is from Pope Gregory XVI. He said, Beyond a doubt, they perish eternally who do not keep the Catholic faith entire and unchanged. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. There was a knock at the rectory door of a mission in the Philippines. The missionary opened the door to see a small boy standing on the porch. What can I do for you, son? asked the priest. Father, stammered the lad, I've committed original sin. Original sin, echoed the priest. How's that? Yes, father, the boy explained. I stole apples from your orchard. Gradually, the priest discovered how the boy had reasoned. The priest belonged to God, and so did the priest's orchard. 
To steal apples from the orchard was just like taking it from God himself, just like the sin of Adam, who took some fruit that he wasn't supposed to take. With a smile, the missionary told the boy he didn't have to steal any fruit. He was welcome to have all the apples he wanted. The boy didn't have a correct idea of original sin. He was mistaken in thinking he'd committed an original sin. We don't commit it, we inherit it. Adam and Eve were stewards of the all-rich God, but they squandered God's gifts of soul and body. They lost them for themselves and us too. Like the boy, we should go to God's representative for forgiveness. Right now would be nice, thank you. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show it more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.